Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. In a new world of impossible burgers and beyond meat, where eating cicadas is considered an actual protein-rich option and adopting a plant-based diet can be a legitimate choice, what do we do with all those carnivores and omnivores sleeping on the backs of our sofas and chasing squirrels around our backyards? How do we ensure that what we feed our pets is not only good for them, rich in protein and all the nutrients needed to keep them healthy, but good for our planet too? As many of us reduce our meat intake or opt for more sustainable animal proteins, could we do the same for our pets? For the article this episode is based on, HowStuffWorks spoke with Greg Aldrich, a research associate professor and the coordinator of the pet food program in the Department of Grain Science and Industry at Kansas State University. He said, It's all doable. I can formulate a vegetarian diet for a dog. I can make a vegan diet for a dog. It's just a lot harder to get it all balanced, and then to get them to like it. The Pet Food Institute estimates that more than 180 million dogs and cats are living in U.S. households. And the American Pet Products Association reports that Americans spent more than $42 billion on pet foods and treats in 2020 alone. And all of that is rough on the planet. A 2017 paper written by UCLA researcher Gregory Oaken found that American dogs and cats are responsible, through the food they eat, for the release of up to 64 million tons of harmful greenhouse gases each year. But it's not as if we're feeding our pets big slabs of brontosaurus ribs and live chickens. Pet foods in the U.S. generally have plenty of grains included. Corn is, in fact, the number one ingredient used overall in cat and dog foods, according to the North American Renderers Association. But most pet foods do have a huge animal component. The reason for that is simple. Dogs and cats, and you and I, need protein. And eating meat or meat byproducts is often the best, easiest, and cheapest source of protein. Aldrich said, The dog is an omnivore, like humans, eating both plants and animals. But their nutritional requirements are such that they're easier or better supported nutritionally if they consume animal proteins and fats, at least part of their diet. And the cat we consider to be an obligate, meaning biological, carnivore. So what am I talking about there? Is it just because we label them as carnivores, so thereby we have to feed them meat? No. It really comes down to some of their nutritional requirements, the metabolic utilization of things like amino acids and fatty acids. Dogs and cats, Aldrich is saying, don't necessarily need meat itself, but they do need what's in it, and meat is easier for them to digest. So, how can we feed so many animals who biologically need meat, or at least are more easily or better fed with meat, when the production of that meat can be both harmful to the planet and to some, especially in the case of industrial farming, morally objectionable? It's science to the rescue. Let's talk about cell-cultured meat. Take, for example, Bond Pet Foods, a pet food company in Boulder, Colorado, that, late in 2020, announced that it had produced the world's first, quote, animal-free chicken protein to use in pet foods. Bond took a blood sample from a live chicken, extracted the genetic code, then inserted it into the genetic code of some food grain yeast. 
These modified yeast, grown in a fermentation tank, according to Bond, quote, churns out meat proteins that are identical to those typically produced on farm and field. It's a similar fermentation process that's been used for half a century to make enzymes for cheese, but Bond is reassembling the process to harvest high-quality animal proteins. The process produces cell-cultured meat, which is basically lab-manufactured meat without the need or mess of raising and killing animals on farms. And Bond is not the only company experimenting with it. Another, called Because Animals, is using a relatively similar process which harvests cells and grows them into tissue that can then be used in treats and foods for pets. A new era of pet foods made with reduced environmental impact, more sustainability, and more responsibility is hardly just around the corner, though. This new way of feeding the household pet is going to take some time. The science, for as far as it's advanced, is not quite big time yet. Uh, For one, manufacturers will have to work out the best ways to ramp up the process. Large amounts of animal-based material, blood or tissue or whatever, might still be needed, at least initially. Aldrich said, whether or not they have got to where they can take it to scale, so instead of making a couple grams, making a million pounds, I don't know if they've got that all worked out yet. Another question to be answered, and not an insignificant one. Once this cultured meat is produced, Will your pets eat it? Will they like it? And furthermore, companies will have to educate the public, which may be picky about what goes into Fido's dish. They may have to overcome environmentalists and animal rights backers who may object still to the use of blood or other animal material that makes the base of the new food. They'll undoubtedly face stiff competition, as even the big pet food makers jockey for position in a market in which good, affordable protein is increasingly difficult to come by. The new guys will have to make their product affordable. But even though this new cell-cultured product might not be taking over the pet food aisle at your local big box store anytime soon, the desire for options in meat, more humane, sustainable options, is clearly there. Aldrich said, it could be a viable niche in the marketplace in the next five to 10 years. As long as we have, what is it, 180 million dogs and cats in the U.S., there's going to be demand for proteins. So any additional supply of protein is going to help. Whether or not that cell-cultured meat becomes mainstream is probably going to be a ways away. Today's episode is based on the article, How Lab-Grown Meat Could Change the Pet Food World, on HowStuffWorks.com, written by John Donovan. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 